0: All right, guys. Welcome to the Tony and Dakota podcast. Today we have a virtual
1: guest that Tony's going to introduce. This is Kim Daly. First, when her uh, interview trainee person reached out to me, wanted to schedule this podcast. I was pulled in because of franchises. She is most uh, known and. Doing the most advertising for the most genuinely interested in helping people create wealth through getting involved in franchises. I've seen it on you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki talked about it, Chris Crone talked about it. But before all that, Kim got into fitness. She was an entrepreneur, she still is, and she has her own podcasts, shows, as well as Millionaire Mindset Coaching. She knows a lot about lifestyle creation, living the life that you'd like to live by creating passive residual income, as well as entrepreneurship, business building in general. Super excited to have Kim on today.
2: Wow. I think you should be my PR guy, Tony. That was really good. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I hope I can live up to all that.
1: (laughs) So Kim, sometimes when we have guests on, we kind of try to figure out how they got to where they're at. When did you actually really get your start? Like when you think about your personal career, what was the tipping point or the moment where, you know, a lot of people experience a small dip where they're not exactly where they're supposed to be. And then they kind of feel an upward trajectory. What was that moment for you? What were you doing?
2: That's so good. So I've been an entrepreneur I've been a franchisepreneur, right? I've been a franchisepreneur for 21 years. I was an entrepreneur for the first five years. The first dip that made me go from uh, working for somebody else to entrepreneurship was from the first day on the job. (laughs) I remember going home and telling my dad, like, you've done this for how many years? Like, The idea of working for somebody else did not appeal to me from day one. So within three years of working for somebody else, I was out of that. I created my own business, my first business when I was 25, and I love to say at my age now, I am completely unemployable. <laughs> but my father, again, he would say, Kimberly, you've always been unemployable because I've always been the boss of me. <laughs> so that was probably tipping point number one. First day on the job, got to find a different way, became an entrepreneur, did that for five years. But you know what? Entrepreneurship is fun. And rewarding but it's also uh, a lot of creation a lot of time and energy is spent trying to figure out the next move and in a franchise when i when i was like uh you know like it's also very lonely right there's nobody so you're trying to invent you're trying to create you're trying to figure out how to pivot be adaptable where to go next where's the market where's the where's the next customer But yet you're doing this all by yourself. There's like nobody, your competitors aren't going to tell you what they're doing, right? So I, the first company I worked for was a franchise company. So I turned back to what my knowledge of franchising and what I had learned and thought, you know, is there a franchise out there where I think I can get like, have something that I'm building a foundation on and is long-term sustainable, but where I'm doing it collectively, where I'm training and mentored, I'm trained and mentored and coached by other people and supported by other people who can, you know, help you through a recession, help you through a pandemic. Who knew we were going to need that? And so here I've been for the last 21 years um, as a franchise consultant, and I am part of a company called Fran Choice. That is my quote franchise.
1: Okay. I I wonder with franchises, because you say that you're unemployable. um, Very similarly, Uh, I feel like I'm that same way and Dakota maybe as well, where like we want to work for ourselves and have that autonomy and freedom. However, I've heard that it depends on the franchise, obviously, but I've heard that franchises a lot of times will be like, Hey, you have to run these promotions. You need to send out these coupons. You're required to use our systems and strategies exactly as they're designed. Otherwise there's a penalty. Otherwise we can disband from you. Otherwise And so do you tend to like pick the franchise that's appropriate for the owner being like, okay, you guys are private, so you have to do X, Y, Z, but you still have the freedom to make the adjustments necessary? Because I feel like for Dakota and I, we've been great at problem solving and pivoting quickly, and that's how we've been able to to move and shape our business.
2: It's such a great question. So there are a lot of myths and misconceptions in franchising. And I think you're hitting on a big one right there. Like all the rules in franchising and how dare those franchisors, you know, like, how can I like run my business? The rules aren't there to limit anybody. The rules are there to protect the integrity of a brand. And when you have like fees that you have to pay, those are business expenses you would have with or without a franchisor. So the problem, Tony, is that a lot of times in entrepreneurship, Um, uh, owners don't invest money marketing, right? But when they look at a franchise, they're like, oh my gosh, it's so expensive. Look at all the fees. No, that's how much it actually costs to build a positively cash flowing business. When you look at the success rates of startup mom and pop businesses, do you know what I'm about to say? 90% of them fail before their fifth anniversary. Well, that's not a statistic that's owned in franchising. Why do you think that is? Oh, because they have fees because they have required amounts of money that you have to spend for customers to find you because that's how we make money. So I think I answered your question, but probably not in the way you expected. But the other question you're asking me as a consultant, do I tailor options to people a thousand percent? One of the biggest advantages to working with someone like Kim Daly, who has 21 years of experience in, in knowledge of thousands of franchisors a lot of these people are like my dearest closest friends in life because i've been doing this for so long so is knowing the culture of the company so when you buy a franchise when you invest in a franchise you're ultimately buying people you're buying a relationship so you better find people that you get to know like and trust and who you feel have your best interest at heart If you feel like the culture of a franchise is more for their advantage than yours, do not join, right? Because that's going to be a rift from day one. Find an inspiring environment that feels entrepreneurial or feels structured enough for you. And and when you work with me, I know which ones are highly structured and are going to match that more risk averse person. And I know which ones are a little more open and free flowing that are going to match the more entrepreneurial
1: person. So if, uh, if I own a sandwich chain and they're like, Hey, you guys need to remodel. Am I like required to be like, yes, I'm going to.
2: Yeah. I got to spend more money. Well, you know what? Listen, owning a business is about adapting and changing and growing and if you're a customer let's flip it to the customer experience and you walk into a da- you know an old looking dingy looking restaurant uh does that impact your belief about the the caliber or the quality of the food yeah i'd say so versus if you walk into a fresh you know environment that feels like to the times it immediately inspires a different response in you. So as it, as brands progress and grow and the consumer changes and the market and the competition changes what we all need to do to be relevant to each other and to dominate each other or to uh, you know have our customer, then you're gonna have to continue to reinvest. But if you were a mom and pop shop, you'd have to do the same or you'd become obsolete right it, it's not like there these rules are unreasonable they will give you like 5 years to, to do it they don't just go okay 6 months redesign your store you know like it's when you hear those things it's always sort of i think taken out of the context and and listen i've been a consultant for 21 years i don't really do food like i don't i actually just recorded a a, a podcast interview for my podcast and it was like only the second food franchise or I've ever had on my show.
1: <laughs>
2: so like in 21 years, I just don't, I don't do things like that. I love service. So the franch- the the franchises I mainly kind of quote play with aren't ones where they have these sort of, you know, they may require you to buy new equipment, but chances are you're gonna need new equipment anyway before, you know, the the that because it breaks down, right? So I love uh re I love um lower investments, low fixed costs, high margin throw in reoccurring revenue. And that's probably my my perfect home run business. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be junk removal. It could be trash. It could be, you know, mosquito spraying. It could be house cleaning. I mean, all of those examples fit those characteristics I just threw out there.
0: Yeah, so I think the biggest thing, that basically what you're talking about is almost like reframing it instead of looking at it like, okay, hey, here's rules that you have to follow. It's more of like, hey, here's a structure that we've used multiple times to be successful. And so really you're giving people the tools in order to help them become successful, almost on a fast track, because your success is their success and their success is your success. So now you're just like, hey, we know what works. We've done this a lot of times. So here's what you need to do in order to get to where you want to go. And so really it's just giving them a framework in order to do that. It sounds like more of like a, I think it's just perspective it's like you know one person could look at it like oh you're forcing me to do something it's like yes we're going to force you to do what it takes to succeed and so you're really giving them the tools so if somebody came to us and said all right you got to pull these lists you have to do this then you're going to go here then you're going to want to send this much marketing you're going to spend about this much this is how much you should make this is how you make your offers it's more giving the framework because there is a general framework that you're going to have to be successful in any business And whenever you have a franchise, and it sounds like they're more invested into making sure that you're successful. So they're like, hey, here's the framework that you need to be successful. That's what it sounds like. Just a reframing of what's actually happening. One could be
1: binding. The other one could be like, oh, they're telling me how to succeed. Pulling data lists like vacant houses, mortgage foreclosures, and tax delinquent properties is important to -to direct-to-seller marketing.
0: Batch Leads is the main platform where we store our seller's data and skip trace owners for their phone numbers, emails, and
1: addresses. On other platforms, you end up having to pay twice for the same contact if you've already skip traced it. My favorite thing about Batch Leads is that if you skip traced a contact once, you never have to pay for that contact again. Batch Leads has SMS texting campaigns, direct mail marketing, and driving
0: for dollars app integrated in a simple to use interface. Click the link below and try
1: Batch Leads today.
2: That was amazing. Standing ovation to Dakota. <laughs> Perfectly said.
1: Yeah,
2: it it's yeah. always perspective, you know? And and listen, this is why my services are free for candidates. Franchisors pay me. They pay me to put your mindset in the right place before you get to them. They pay me to match you to their opportunity when you have what they're looking for in their ideal candidate, the right finances, the right skill set, the right mindset. You're right. Right. So and and what I love to say is that's one part of what I do because but anybody can kick the tires of a franchise. Very few people can actually follow through and sign a franchise agreement. And become an owner, so it's the one percent that that I'm looking for. I'm looking, and, and I'm actually creating. I'm I'm helping people know how to think about this, how to move past their own limiting beliefs or assumptions, or at least figure out how to ask questions to figure out are those assumptions even real out in the real world, or is it something you're making up? So, for example, like some example in fitness. You know, I was working with a woman this morning. She's in Atlanta. She's like, oh, it's so crowded. So she told me up front, she loves fitness. Well, and you want to own a business that you're passionate about? Well, let's take a look. I partnered her with a, I presented her a brand. They're the world leader in boutique fitness. They have no failures ever. 2,600 clubs open in multiple countries today. And she's like, wow, my area is saturated that is a limiting belief if they have no failures and they've deemed your market as open and viable who are we when we don't know what we don't know as as you know the people investigating the opportunity to be like we know better than you they have no failures right but even as I said that to her, it was just a huge roadblock for her. I don't know if she'll get past it or not, but this is why franchisors pay me to help people because we we all do it. I would do the same thing if I didn't know what I know because I've been a consultant for 20 years.
1: And she just said the gym was packed. Yes. <laughs> it is
0: funny though because it, the funny thing is, is you're exactly right. It's usually mindset more than it is about like stats or facts. It's a feeling that she has. It's not based on actual statistics when the people who are the franchises are looking at statistics, which which kind of like this kind of brings me into the other thing that I really wanted to, to touch on is uh, you said you're unemployable, which I find like uh, almost in my opinion, it's almost very similar to the point where I'm like, I I'm not like I'll, I'll work for somebody if it makes sense. It's just got to get me on the trajectory to where I'm going and what makes sense for me. So I don't mind if I work for somebody and I would consider myself very entrepreneur. Um, but as long as the structure's right, I'll partner with anybody, I'll do any deal, I'll work for anybody, I'll, I'll go do a W-2 job, like if it makes sense. And so I just kind of want to see your take on that when you say that you're unemployable. Do you think that's like a limiting belief? Like if somebody's like, hey, I'm going to get you, you know, $10 million this year if you come work for me. And then uh, you have to do it for one hour a week. You know, you'd be like, oh, well, maybe I could make this work. No,
2: nope. I cannot be bought because I have built for myself an amazing life. I know my personal power and I know that I can make anything work to the level that I want it to work. Because again, I've been at this entrepreneurship thing for over 25 years and I will not be, I cannot be bought. You could throw any amount of money at me. I'll partner with you, but I want to say, Right, I'm not going to have a boss. I'm going to be the decision maker of the biggest decisions in a business, of the 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 time I put in or don't need to put in, um, and of how I will always want to be in control of what I can make. And that's just my own confidence in me, which is why I'm unemployable. My freedom has no price. Uh, I, I know that I can make however much money I want to make 'Cause I'm willing to put in the hard work and figure it out until I get there. That's what I mean by that.
0: So I sorry. mean
2: it as like a very good thing, not a negative
0: thing. Sure. So uh what would it take in order for you to work for somebody else? Like let's say everything aligned, they give you all the time, freedom. Like would there be any reason they give you all the control in the world? Um, and there's nothing that they could do somebody could do to in order for you so, to for-
2: I am never waking up for somebody else's future. I am waking up for my own future every single day. And if you work for somebody else, they own your future. They can take it away when it doesn't suit them. They can cut you off when it doesn't suit them. I don't see any value in that because there's enough opportunity out here where you can own it and control it and make it yours right and let's take this back to franchising so people will ask me you know there there's these like myths and misconceptions around success and failure as if like it's the franchisor's job to make me successful it's nobody's job to make you successful right now it's implied in a franchisor franchisee relationship that they're going to give you a business plan that works and that uh you give you training and mentorship over that but the plan works But the question is, we don't know how well are you going to work the plan? And it's not like, okay, A plus B plus C. It's the attitude with which you put together A plus B to make C, right? So when I was a personal trainer in the gym, in college, you know, I could have the best equipment. I could be in the best environment. I was. I was in an amazing environment. I had cutting edge science at the time for, you know, how to train uh, athletes or even non-athletes. But I was still no more responsible for the result that somebody got than I would be if I was in a crappy gym, right, with out-of-date exercises. So I can have the plan. And I can coach and I can inspire and I can mentor, but I can't make you show up. I can't make you do the work. I can't make you, you know, not cheat on yourself with your diet, right? I can't make you put in that effort to get that one last rep. Well, the sa- the things that are going to make the difference between average and above average, I can't make you do right? Same thing in a franchise. Think of the franchisor like a personal trainer. They can have the best plan in the world, but if the people aren't willing to work the plan, have a good attitude, keep the faith, roll up their sleeves when they need to, stop whining, stop looking to something outside of themselves as what's going to drive their success, they'll find people will find every excuse in the world, right? Everybody will own it when it's good, but when it's not good, Oh man, we start looking, we blame franchise war, we blame territory, we blame recession, we blame Joe Biden or Donald Trump or whatever we want to blame. But I have been an average performing consultant and I have been a history making consultant in the exact same franchise. When I went from average performing to history making back in 2011, and now I've spent the last 12 years, 12, 13 years, Mastering my own history making and breaking my own history again and again and again. It changed everything for me about how I coach other people with regard to validating with other franchise owners and even with regard to making the decision to become a business owner. Because what I found was that all along, what I needed to succeed was in me. Nothing external to me changed. What changed was me. And when I changed, everything around me
0: changed. I love that. So here's where I have a dilemma then with like me personally and what I've like worked through in my mind. So I want to ask you about it. So if you're obviously very passionate about working for yourself and like you believe like, you know, that's like a very high value, it sounds like to you. So for me, it's hard to justify then if you ever were to have employees because you're asking them to do something that you're not willing to do or that you would never do. You're like, no, I will never at any price whatsoever, ever but hey, I want you to build your build my dreams for me. So how, how do you justify like them doing that? Because that's the way I do it. Is like, man, I've done it. I'm willing to do it. And I would do it if it made sense for me. So let's find something that does make sense for your trajectory. And as long as it makes sense for both of us to grow together, let's stay on this path. That's the way that I justify it in my mind. But I'm just curious on how you justify it.
2: So I'm not above doing any job in a business that I would give to somebody in my company. But the reality is, Dakota, not everybody has the mindset that I have. A lot of people enjoy working for other people. And thank God, because we need those people to help us grow our businesses. But, you know, it depends how where that person's mindset is. And probably if you're working for me, there's going to be some type of career ladder to where you can keep growing and improving yourself. Or if you're in a position that I know is going to be high turnover, then so be it. But you've got to, you know, everybody has to do what's like right for them. But it also going, the other part of that is if I owned a company, let's say that cleaned home, cleaned houses. I would not be so above rolling up my sleeves and going and cleaning a house to figure out or to better train people or, right? Because how can you help people? But on the flip side of that, sometimes the belief that you have to be able to pitch in and do every job is another limiting belief that people have. And they they won't own an automotive shop because they're at the mercy of the mechanic, or they won't own a business where they have to hire contractors or plumbers because they don't know anything about that. And that's another limiting belief that in a franchise, you can absolutely go validate by finding people who were like you, who knew nothing about how to install or who knew nothing about how to actually do the job, but they were quite successful being the CEO, guiding the culture and vision and creating a great job for those who want that job. Because there's even a lot of people that are like mom and pop, like contractors, trade people who are amazing at their trade, but they're not so great at the marketing side of their business. So they have a very feast or famine life. And in the trade franchises, these are sales and marketing companies. So when you can find that trade guy, who's incredibly passionate about bringing on other tradespeople with him and do, going from job project to project to project, doesn't really have to interact with the customer. He's just going to lead his crews and do the actual work. And you can be focused on customer acquisition and customer experience. This is where you see these trade-based franchises doing, you know, $3 million, $5 million, $15 million a year in an industry that a mom and pop trades guy can't figure out how to keep consistent year to year.
1: Yep. Yeah, we've seen that time and time again in real estate for sure. So it's funny that you say the the contractor dilemma because I coach in uh, Dakota coaches as well. Dakota teaches sales and the wealthy investor mastermind that we're part of. And then I, I'm on accountability calls with guys. And a lot of the things that end up holding back house flippers is doing the work themselves. And so there's just this like it tears their heart up to know that somebody else is going to do seven out of 10 job compared to what they could do. And that like, they should be focusing the highest dollar per hour tasks that they can do is find deals and find money and close deals, you know? Yeah.
2: We all have different sweet spots, which kind of feeds back to your question, Dakota. And like the same thing in my life, like I hire a lot of things out. I'm a single mom. I, I have a, I have a home. I have two teenage kids. I have, I have dogs like, you know, I'm busy. I'm busy during work. I'm busy after work with my kids. And so there's a lot of things that I like, I have people to mow my lawn. I have not because I'm like below mowing my lawn, because to your point, Tony, it's not the highest use of my time right? I can afford to pay somebody. And the same thing when you're a business owner, you have to figure out where your strengths are. I know where my strengths are in my business, which is why when people are like, well, what franchises have you owned? It it just cracks me up. The one that I'm in, the one that's helping you buy a franchise, my strength is in inspiring people to vision. My strength is in a one-to-one relationship with people. My strength is in prospecting and networking. So I found a business model that maximizes my strength. So I'm trying to help other people find a business model that maximizes their strength. A lot of people don't have the strengths that I have. They don't want a cold call. They don't want a prospect. They don't want to wake up every day and be like, okay, I got to create a customer. Right. (laughs) But the joke is on them because in owning any business, that is what we wake up and do as business owners. Correct. (laughs) No customer, no money.
0: (laughs) I like what you said. I think the, the biggest part of what you said is, uh, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that like everybody's got to do exactly what you think you need to do with your life. I guess it's just they need to get really reflective and like uh, be self-aware enough to know, OK, what do I want for my life? Because a lot of people cannot handle the stress that it takes to own a business or like, you know, do every single different thing or they're not willing to go and clean a house and everything. They, they want to do their job. and They want to be done. And some people are like that. So I think it really does come down to a self-awareness thing. So maybe it's like yeah, just more of a limiting belief on my perspective, because I'm always thinking like, man, I want to, you know, make sure that everybody is still living their dreams, but that I feel bad, like if they're not having some sort of like entrepreneurship thing too, but that might not be necessarily what they want. So I think we got to focus more on, okay, who am I? What do I want? Where am I going? Who are they? What do they want? Where are they going? If we line, let's go. If not, that's okay. If you want to do your own thing, that's okay too. But uh, yeah, I like what you said. there. That's awesome. Have you been thinking about investing in real estate? It's not like what you see on HGTV. We created a course to show you how to really invest and create a profitable
1: flipping and wholesaling business. We show you where to find the money, how to find the deals, and how to negotiate the deals. We go over live sales calls, including negotiations, scripts, role playing, and so much more. Everything that you need to know to flip houses is in this course. And if there's a video that we didn't make that you want, we'll make it for you. This knowledge has made us
0: well over a million dollars and it's available right now for nine ninety seven. Click the link below. Buy the course. Yeah,
2: and there are, you know, like let's say that I, let's go back to the cleaning example since I'm picking on that today. So let's say that I invested in a a franchise. And the other thing is people don't have money. I I wanted to add that to what you just said, right? Maybe you want to own a business, but you're not quite there financially. So you still need to work for somebody to build up that nest egg to where then you can go on and be the boss that, you know, maybe you always wish you had. So in my cleaning thoughts, I'm thinking, all right, so let's say that I started like a residential maid franchise and I needed girls to come typically to come work for me. And let's say that they're stereotypically single moms. And let's say that they're working retail or fast food, nights, weekends, holidays, and I'm able to give them a Monday through Friday day job where they can work when their kids are in school and be home when their kids are home. Yeah. And I can give them a career ladder. Maybe I can give them health insurance benefits because some franchises offer health insurance benefits to be able to pass on to your employees. So. There's an opportunity, to your point, for a job for somebody that it matches where they are at, but maybe improves on the situation from other jobs that are available to them. That could come from me by being their employer. So, yeah, everybody is where they are. And you know what? Coming back to my process, when I first meet a candidate who says, you know, look, I I think I'm I'm worried about losing my job or, hey, I just lost my job or, hey, I've got, you know, a bunch of multifamily, real estate, Airbnbs. and I'm looking to diversify, like to throw some business cash flowing asset in there. So that's, you know, the pain points, they come to me. We start by looking at their long term goals because I'm I'm infinitely more interested in where you want to end up and let me pick the best vehicle for that journey rather than what you think you want to own. Right, because the business isn't a hobby, (laughs) and you know what? If you invest in your hobby, oftentimes you end up losing your hobby and your bit. You know what I mean? Like it when it gets hard, you don't like. That's what happened to me in the gym. That's why I got out of it. Right, my own everything in my own personal health was suffering because the gym is my outlet, and now the gym is tried tied to my biggest stresses. Right, there had to be separation. But like the business that I invested in, Brand Choice. It's like personal training, right? It's like coaching people through a process that changes their life. Only we're talking about business instead of fitness. So there was a lot of synergy to that skill set and to the pleasure that I had in owning a gym. It's a life giving environment. This is a very life giving environment. It's a life changing environment. This is a life changing environment. So there was a lot of synergy, and and I mean that's why I you know excelled at it. And and who knew I would do this for as long as I have? So, so I don't know if that drives home that point.
1: In uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, uh, Robert Kiyosaki creates the cash flow game. We've played the cash flow game. And one of the ways, once you get out of the rat race, one way is to like 100x your income is to buy a working franchise, right? And uh, so I'm wondering when it comes to franchises, do you... Because it sounds like your franchise, you're more like creating a lot of... You're doing a lot of active stuff that's creating some sort of residual monthly income cash flow kind of component to it as well. But it sounds like the majority of the time you're still doing a lot of the acquisition type stuff. So you're still spending a lot of hours on it. Are there more cash flow heavy type of set it and forget it type franchises? Or is that just a myth?
2: that's a great question so every business out there has a pro and a con my business has a lot of pros for my personality but the biggest negative to my business is i have built nothing of um you know like generational wealth i have no legacy the day that i stop working the money dries up right no kim no money so that's a huge downside to again If I had built a business where you're building up uh, accounts and those are reoccurring revenue. And so now when I go and I built something of value that I can sell, because a lot of times franchises have their greatest return ROI franchisees when they sell their business, it's not going to be what I'm in today. If I was starting a business today, no chance under the sun, I would start the business I'm in. But I have built it to such a level that it's ridiculous for me to walk away. It's hard. It's almost like the golden handcuffs in a way, right? Because I know that this isn't how you build real wealth, but I'm so passionate about it. And I believe in what I do so much. And it's a cash cow business. So what I do for my personal situation, because I thrive in my business is I have real estate. I'm invested in real estate syndication. I I have a crypto mining business. I have infinite banking policy. Like I have other ca- um passive income i'm um partial owner in multiple companies that produces quarterly dividends so i have built passive income through the high cash flowing business that i that i'm in every day building that long term equity for the future and eventually i will downsize what i'm doing as a consultant and then build other Things like that over there. But in if if it depends where someone is. So if you're young and you're aggressive, like I was 29 when I started this business. So I had, you know, it made sense. I didn't have a lot of money, but I had a lot of time. If you're coming to me and you're 45, 50, you got kids, you're dreaming of your future, I'm not leading you to a business like this unless you beg me. (laughs) I'm going to teach you what I wish somebody taught me when I was 29, which is, you know, build a business that will ultimately, with it six months or one year or maybe one month, not require you every minute in order for it to work. And there are what we call semi-absentee businesses in franchising. Um, that definition is used heavily, and it's but it's very hard to really know what semi-absentee will mean to you. It's a very personal definition because it really comes down to your leadership skill, your organizational skill your faith in other people, right? Your ability to leave the business in the hands of other people. Um, and so, and then your ability to learn. If you're a quick learner, you might be able to step back faster than if it takes you time to like absorb and, and really figure things out. Maybe it's your first business venture. I think it's unrealistic to think you're going to plop most of your life savings into a franchise and leave somebody else to, to, to turn it into a reward for you. It's not going to happen, right? So we we talk about this word semi-absentee, but with each candidate that I work with, I very carefully define it for them and help them define it for them. We have laundromats that are five hours a week once they're built, right? And then we have businesses like mine on the other that are, you know, can be very, very time intensive. But if that's what you want to do, because you love it, like Kim, there's nothing wrong with it. Just- setting expectations and making sure that we're matching opportunity to your goals.
1: That's interesting too. When you were when you were talking about a lot of those uh, investment vehicles that you have, they sound really passive, like you're talking about syndications. And that's nice because you don't have to actively in, be involved in the real estate deals. And that's something that we're running into too, because we have so many deals in our pipeline right now, but we raise money fund the deals. Sometimes we use bank money. Sometimes we use other people's money. And we have so many deals going at the same time that we constantly need more capital. And you said something about infinite banking. So I wanted to know what that is. <laughs> I mean, Ooh, okay. What, what's infinite banking? I've never heard of it. Oh, you
2: guys. Okay. So yep. So infinite banking is where you uh like sort of super fund a life insurance policy mm-hmm. and and then you use so it's an investment it's it's acting as your own bank. It's an investment vehicle. So I'm I don't have any money in the stock market. I started out young, putting money into a SEP. That's still there and it's growing, but I do not believe in not having control over the asset, right? So that's gonna go up and down, but I want more control. And I I'm all heavily invested in all these, what I'll call alternative investments. So um I put my money where my mouth is. A franchise is an alternative investment one you can own and control. So in infinite banking you you go through a life insurance um like you know health evaluation as if you were taking out a life insurance policy but you super fund the beginning it's the way that it's structured for the first 4 years and then it gives you instant cash value So you can take that cash value out and then deploy the money. So my money that I invested in the policy stays in the policy, earning 3%, 5%, whatever it is. It's not a lot, but versus if I had money in wall street and then I said, okay, say somebody came to me and said, Kim, join us, put in a half a million dollars. We're going to, you know, we're going to go buy some apartments. I would have to take the money out, take the tax hit and, um, Take the money out, and now that money that was in invested is completely uninvested. Now I'm transferring it from that investment to this investment. With infinite banking, my money stays invested, earning, and I use the life insurance cash value to go deploy into the apartment. And then as that thing starts to produce dividends or cash flow, I feed it back into the policy. And it just keeps cycling. And this is how you build generational wealth. I learned this from one of my greatest mentors, Jim Oliver. He is the founder of Breakaway Wealth. His company is called Create Tailwind. His podcast is called Breakaway Wealth. And uh, Jim is like the number one guy in the country helping people learn about infinite banking. He he was mentored by the guy who kind of like, I don't I don't know if you would say invented it or like created the, found, like figured out how to do it, whose name is Nelson Nash. And uh, Jim was personally mentored by him. So, And and Nelson has a book out there on infinite banking that would be a great place to start. So I have two banks of daily <laughs> and uh, I'm coming up on my fourth year. So I'm through the super funding, which has been a heavy lift, a heavy burden, <laughs> but long-term it's 1000% gonna be worth it. I, I It already is. Last year I was offered 5% equity in a company, but I had to come up with about a million dollars cash. So again, if I had to take it out of the stock market, I'd have to separate the tax, you know what I mean? I'd have to. So now I turned to my infinite banking policy before it was even super funded because I had the cash, the equity in there, within three days, had the money in my hands and deployed it into make this investment that already, you know, was it's an established business, already is producing dividends that I can take the quarterly dividends and put it back to pay to pay that down. And you don't even have to pay the money back. Wow. That's the other thing. It'll just come off the death benefit on the end. But like, I'm worth so much money if I die, it's stupid. Nobody needs that kind of money anyway. <laughs> so even if I didn't put the money back, it's okay. My kids are still going to be okay if mom dies. <laughs>
1: I think I've heard this strategy before too. And so it's a whole life policy that has a, uh, as legally, as as low as you can possibly get away with legally, low death benefit, because the intention of the policy isn't necessarily to pay out.
2: Yeah right. Well, mine have really high death benefits. I guess that would happen if you just consistently take the money out and don't put it back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you still have to pay uh, interest on the loan, if you will, back, you know, you're still paying, but that's that 5% interest or whatever it is that you're paying, you're paying back to yourself. Mm-hmm. So what Jim is always trying to help me see is that, you know, it's a very subtle, he's, he's, he uses the word stealth. So when your money is invested in the bank, like he always says, what are the nicest buildings in in, in a community? the yep. banks right banking is a very profitable business so this is a way for you to be the profitable one you it's your bank you own the money you own and the bank so you're you're not that 5% that you would lose to an in interest or whatever to the bank you're not you're not paying those kind of fees or ta- or uh interest back to the bank you're paying it back to yourself awesome. so and i'm not listen I have I struggled so long. Like I met Jim, he's an amazing, the most I think I'm an abundant thinker. I met this guy, I was like I need I need to dream bigger. Like this guy is like you should have him as a guest on your show for real. Like he'll blow you away. To talk about we he's been a guest on my show. The title um on my podcast uh the episode's called Cre- creating generational wealth.
1: Okay. And he
2: talked about infinite banking. But um Yeah. So when I met him, I was like, and it took me a long time. And even now, four years into it, I have two of them. I'm using them. It's still sort of like, what am I doing? You know what I mean? Like, it's so nuanced that you need the master. I'd go directly to Jim.
0: (laughs) I have a question then. uh, So this is kind of two parts. One is, uh, do you deal with any like big franchise names that like everybody would know? If so, I want to know them. And then also like I want to hear an example and like I'm actually kind of like interested in laundromats because I have heard they're pretty cash flow heavy and they're pretty profitable. So like give me an example of, okay, hey, you need this much cash, like walk me through the details of buying a laundromat. So I want to hear the big franchise names first and then walk me through a deal on like a laundromat deal.
1: Are you letting deals fall through the cracks because you don't have good
0: systems in place? We've been there before and honestly, we've tried several different CRMs
1: and RE-Simply has been the absolute best. RE-Simply tracks your KPIs, does automatic follow-ups for you, and even records incoming phone calls. The system is very easy to use and honestly, it has more features than we even know what to do with. If you're looking for a great CRM, try RE-Simply today. Click the link in the description below. Check it out now.
2: Okay. Love it. So on the first question, um, I definitely work with big brand names like your Supercuts, your Meine Keys. But look, those companies that are already well established in markets, they don't really need consultants. I don't. I'm not super top heavy in very established brands. Like they have enough organic leads, and in many cases, their markets are closed. They don't even have any territory open. The real story in franchising is when they're in in the beginning or in the middle stage, right? So that's mainly uh, the 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 client, if you will, of Fran Choice are companies that are still aggressively trying to grow. 50 to 100 units a year, Mm. right? So they're they're more on the pioneering or in the middle stage. Um, They may be brands you know, they may be brands you don't know. The brands I usually love are the ones that are never going to be big consumer brand names because I love the B2B space. Like for example, I'll blow your mind with this, I think. We have a business that paints parking lots. They stripe parking lots. It's a franchise for striping parking lots. Incredibly profitable franchise so like you would never think that that's a franchise but think of all the parking lots everywhere you go right and not the big ones that like the 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 big paving guys are going to get to think of all the apartment complexes the hoas the schools the shopping centers the you know the, it's endless so that's a franchise one that kim daly Really, really loves another franchise. I had a great heyday with. It's mostly sold out, if not sold out everywhere. Which actually, my buddy Jim invested in is called Smash My Trash. Have you heard of Have you ever heard of this? Uh -uh. The whole country is completely sold out. You've never heard of it. No, (laughs) because it's
1: I've seen it's like a shredder thing that like makes it so that you can fit more in like a forty yard container.
2: You got it. Yep. So, so there is a, uh, yeah, so that's what they do. It's this big commercial, uh, trash compactor. It's an outside sales job. Go to, go to the business, sign them up, tell them what you do. There's value. Like you're going to, we're going to save on your Holloway vault, you know, your Holloway, um, money. And it's a green company because we're reducing the emissions for the amount of times that you're going to be hauling away your dumpster. So we can come in Every week, bi-weekly, once a month, once once a quarter, depending on how frequently that dumpster is getting full, and literally compact the trash. Two employees on the truck, one in person who does sales, and you can build a multi-million dollar business. Reoccurring, it's trash, it's never gonna go anywhere, right? Like these are the kind of characteristics that I thrive on more than the the things that people think of like jersey mics and chick-fil-a and the things that most people come to me thinking franchising is Mm
1: -hmm.
2: so let's talk about your laundromat question so the first thing i'll say is as a franchise consultant it is never my job to give anyone specific information about an opportunity if you're ever working with a consultant and they do start giving you specific information you should run fast because look i make money when you say yes to a franchise if I can give you the details that you want to hear, hello, right? I'm gonna make a lot more money but it's also freaking illegal <laughs> right? So if I don't if I don't want to act as an agent of the sale, which I do not, I don't need to do that. The people who represent the laundromat can explain to you in from their legal documents which are mandated by the Federal Trade Commission, what it looks like to open a laundromat. And it may, to answer your question, Dakota, it may vary market by market. If you're in a smaller market that can maybe bear 20 or 30 washer and dryers versus a bigger market where you have 20 or 30 washers and 20 or 30 dryers, the build-out costs are gonna vary greatly. The real estate costs are gonna vary market to market. So why would you wanna take it from someone like me anyway when you go right to the person who you're paying to be your mentor And they can explain to you in the market you're in what they've seen in the past and then not just take their word for it, but have the opportunity to go out and validate with other franchise owners. As part of the process on the way to becoming an approved franchisee, not only will you get to meet the franchisor and take in the partnership and the culture and the momentum and the tools, but you're going to actually go out and, and call other owners who've already said yes to this, to see from their experience, are they happy? Knowing what they know now, would they do it again? Are they reinvesting money, building multiple locations, right? Because that's the key. The wealth is created through scale in everything. It's not about one roof, not about one apartment, right? It's how do I leverage my time? The same thing in a franchise. It's not about one team. It's not about one truck. It's not about one location. It has to have scale. So. When you're talking to the franchisor and then you go out and you validate with franchisees and they're validating that they're opening two, three, 10, 20 stores, there's a story there. And how much more powerful to hear it from somebody who's in that specific business than your franchise consultant. I say this so passionately because, look, I've been at this social media thing for three years now, and it is really hard to build social media. And um, there are people out there that are crushing me, but I watch their content and it's illegal all over the place, right? They suck people in with all their clickbait with numbers. Mm-hmm. If you're a sophisticated investor and you're you know, tempted on those videos, it's like, that's so crazy. It, I'll go so far as to tell you that nobody can ever really tell you how much money you're going to make. Because yeah. let's go back to my personal story. For eight years, I made one kind of money in my franchise. Today, I make four times that money, right? And I and growing, because this is a br- living, breathing, dynamic environment. And as I get better, I get better. And I'm, I'm able to help more people and I'm able to make more money. So all of these factors factor into how much money someone's actually going to make. Now, in a laundromat, which is a very simple business, Right, more dedicated to the location than an owner, right? But the owner's role is going to be cleanliness, making sure the washer and dryers are working, or hiring somebody to do that, right? And maybe you hire an attendant, so there's somebody there, which makes it feel safe, which keeps it clean, which if my if the thing eats my coins, somebody's right there to give me my coins back, right? Customer experience. So those nuances determine whether someone comes back or doesn't come back. And those things are all controlled by owners.
0: It's funny because like uh, you you say in a very similar way to basically what we do whenever we're wholesaling a property. So I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but basically it's like we have an investment property. We sell it to another investor. We let them make the uh, more money if they decide to flip it and stuff. But we don't give them like okay, hey, here's what it's gonna be worth at the end. Here's what your rehab cost is gonna be. Here's how much you should make because like if they don't do it at the right timeline, you're gonna get three different contractor quotes. They're all gonna be different. You're gonna have three different real estate agents who tell you it's worth three different amounts. So I'm not gonna set myself up to be a liar here. And it sounds like you do it like a very similar situation. Like hey, I'm not gonna tell you all of this stuff because there's a lot of variables that like I might it might not go exactly how I'm saying. It's a business, you know. You have no idea. House is gonna be. Depending on how you do, how fast you get it done, what contractor you use, the quality, that's going to determine how much it's going to be worth. Same thing that you're saying. It's going to depend on how it looks, how how good of a business owner you are, all of these different variables, which you don't know until you actually get into it.
2: You got it you got it and every single year that you're a business owner if you're smart you're growing and you're getting better and when you invest in a franchise in that franchise disclosure document they're going to have like an average unit volume earnings claim but i always tell my candidates look you're you're buying a franchise for the future potential but you're looking At past history because the earnings claim are audited financials from last year. If it's in this year's document, they're from last year. So think about it. It's absurd. You're buying the franchise for the future and you're basing your entire decision off of numbers that are from last year, which right now, currently those numbers are probably could be 10 or 20% higher. And then you get in there and you put your spin on it and you become rookie of the year, or top performing franchisee, and you forever change that earnings claim. So we use the, the the earnings claims that franchisors can make through my coaching as a rough guideline, but to do not let them create a limiting belief. If I had had a limiting belief about myself, I would never have made history in my business, right? I would never keep breaking my own history, So, but there, what's funny is there are all these people that have access to me who I've told and and will tell pretty much anybody, this is exactly what I do, but how many of them do you think take it and go? How many people have the business I have? Less than like five or six people. And there's like 90 consultants at Franchise who all have access to me. And you know, what I hear is I can't be Kim Daly. Oh, Kim Daly must work so much. Oh, it's all limiting beliefs. It's so not true. Come and ask me. And so when you're in a franchise, I don't share my personal story to like go bragging on myself. It's to make the point that you can be, have and do whatever you want inside a franchise system. You got to find people that have what you want, a system, a proven system and a toolbox that's good enough to go. It's going to improve as you grow. And if you say yes, you may be a part of growing and improving that toolbox. So we're not looking for perfection. We're looking for, I got this. It's enough for now. Now it's my turn to put me in this, to put my time and energy and hustle and, and turn it into the next thing, the next place it can grow. And then that's all you need. And then from there, How big you grow, it's all on you. I know this because I've done it.
1: When you think of- I can
2: do it. You can do it.
1: (laughs) When you think of your most successful uh, franchise owners uh, who decide to get into franchising, when you think of the people who are the most successful, what are common traits, attitudes, behaviors- uh, emotions. What are the what are the things that you can point at and be like, oh yeah, that's why they did well.
2: Yeah. So that's an amazing question. Again, people are going to be looking for those external factors. It's all internal. The number one thing any franchisor is going to say when I say, hey, Mister Franchisor, what's the most important quality in a, in an ideal franchisee? Grit. <laughs> that's number one word right how do you even define grit right but it's that tenacity it's competitive drive it's the willingness to get in there and do whatever it takes earlier this week i interviewed this massively successful franchisee a guy who started out with little caesar's pizza 20 years ago pizza pizza remember that brand maybe you guys are too young but he started out with that brand but and he's like i started out washing you know washing my own dishes You know, today he owns eight budget blind territories, three closet tailors and like three premier garage. So he's in the service. He does windows, closets and uh, garage cabinetry. And he, he has a massive business now. That's why I I asked this franchisor, I'm like, I want somebody, I want a total stud in your business. Like, give me, this guy's a total stud. But when I was interviewing him, we never even really talked about the business. We talked about all the successes and failures he had along the way. And the entire 20 minute interview, when it comes out on my, on my podcast, it will be 100% trans easy for anybody listening to know why this guy is successful. He just never quit, right? It got hard. He worked harder right? He figured stuff out. He grew up through these businesses. He just, he leveraged himself. He mentored. He found people who had what he wanted and he asked them to mentor him. He just kept growing. And every single thing this guy has touched, that little Caesars, and he owned something else with it, sold to private equity, started a trampoline park, mom and pop trampoline park, built it to seven locations, attracted private equity. Why why does that keep happening to him? Because he's amazing human doing great things for other people, building, you know, great, solid businesses, you know? So then he thought, he, he tells the story, he's like, my successful friend told me that he bought a budget blinds. And I was like, yo, man, like, you got a low moment in your life? Like, a budget blinds, you know? And it's funny, because that's like the number one business I've helped people get into in 21 years. So it's a total common reaction. So it's kind of funny. You, it's just one of these unassuming businesses when you hear the name until you look at the characteristics of the business and then you're like oh my gosh it's one of the most powerful business models I have to show anyone oh yeah how- and once he saw it once he saw it off he went and now he's got eight of them
1: how often do people need to replace blinds I just thought about that in our rental properties
2: <laughs> yeah I mean it's just a it's an industry that grows and goes no matter what um and it the parent organization of this franchise, their Home Franchise Concepts, they're just amazing, amazing mentors and leaders. They have multiple home services businesses. All of those businesses he owns, owns today, Premier Garage and Taylor Closet, are all under the Home Franchise Concepts parent umbrella. And that's how we stack to create wealth. So if you can buy multiple businesses through your one franchisor where in in theory, you're leveraging like the same backend system, if you will, like, right. You, you, you know, you know how to drive that Rolls Royce and you know, you have that engine across all of your, across all of your businesses. And if you can overlap the territory to where we sold you blinds and now we can remarket to you closets or, you know, garage doors or window washing or whatever it is that he wants to add on next. I mean, that's the way you stack. And again, to the point I made earlier, wealth is always created through scale. That's the way to get really wealthy, really fast in a franchise.
1: That's a good idea. This is uh, our last question of the podcast, unless you got, we're getting pretty close to an hour. So we'll we'll ask you this last question. This, this is a deep one. So you're thinking all the way to the end of your life. You're hundred years old on your deathbed and you have a final message to the world. This is Kim Daly's message specific to you. It's a paragraph, a mantra, a sentence, a book. It's your final thought that you think that the world needs to hear something meaningful that has you written all over it. It's your legacy message. What are you going to say?
2: This one's kind of easy for me. So my favorite book in the world is Earl Nightingale, The Strangest Secret. Do you know it?
1: Is that the one where they, it's a lot of folks on their deathbed? (laughs) (laughs)
2: Well, Earl Nightingale, (laughs) it's an old book. Listen, it's a 25 minute, free YouTube video. So when I learned about this book, this is the strangest secret is that our thoughts create reality. What we're thinking today is what we will be living tomorrow, whether we want it or not, right? It works positive. It works in the negative. And I teach this to my teenage boys. At least I try to. Right. So our thoughts create our reality. That's the strangest secret. So my my like deathbed mantra would be to or whatever I was saying to somebody would be like to be be careful what you're thinking and what you're speaking about on a regular basis, because that will form the basis of your life. If you want to live a good, positive, successful life, you've got to speak good, positive, successful words. It's really that simple. And when I talk about my millionaire mindset coaching plan, this is what it really comes back to. Franchisors can teach you how to be successful in your business, but Kim Daly, wants to teach you how to be successful in your mind because success is a state of mind. And I feel like I have been chipping away at this and I'm not an expert. Look, we're all humans. We all have bad days. We all, you know, but it's the speed to which you recognize that you've fallen off the wagon and you get back on the wagon. And I've gotten really, really good at it, which is what's allowed me to make history in my industry and break my own history over and over and over again. It's not an unrelenting, I'm never satisfied. It's not about that at all. It's about finding more peace and ease in what I'm doing. And when you have that, when you understand the energy of success, you put out less effort and you get more back. And it's not just money. That's one measure of success. It's quality of life. It's health. Right. It's the quality of your relationships. So it all kind of funnels back. When I first read The Strangest Secret, I was like, this book is life changing. So I set a timer on my uh, phone. And on the first day of every month for that cardio day, I would audible the book 25 minutes, one elliptical session or one run, short run. And I would then follow through for 30 days because it's a 30 day exercise in the book. And then my alarm would go off again because sometimes I'd finish before, but then my alarm would go off again. If I fell off the wagon, I remind myself, read the book again. I did that for two years. Wow. Two yeah. years. And then I paid my kids to read the book. But it's it's a book that if you don't, like any book, it's a tool. If you don't use the tool, it doesn't work. But if you use the tool, it will change your life.
0: Wow. I feel like, man, hour went by real quick. I feel like I got so many other questions. Like we didn't even get into all the questions that Tony had. I feel like I got so many more. I'm like, oh man, we go really deep into Have
1: me back. Have me back.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so many different areas. Yeah. We're definitely going to we'll make
2: happen. it a daily double. <laughs> I'm
0: going to get you back on for sure. Because yeah, there's so much more that I do want to know about franchises. Maybe we could walk through a deal. I, I we we'll let you know about our situations. You could advise us on what you would advise or something like that. But there's yeah. so many different things. There's so many different advice that you gave. And I hope that people do realize it because yeah, yeah, I think your mindset, um, yeah, there's just so much to it that I don't know if people realize it whenever you say it. And that's that's the biggest thing that I was actually just talking to uh, our videographer about, Cody, is like, man, things are so simple. And like, that's what you really break it down to is it's such a simple concept. It's just hard to implement. So like, you know, you listening to this thing, you're actually doing this stuff, you know, like like putting a timer on your phone to listen to this stuff. Like I do stuff like that too. And it's so simple. It's just hard to actually get it done. So yeah, I love everything that... You talk about mindset, all of that stuff like you're, you're awesome. Um, so if people want to learn more about you or get a hold of you or they want to get a franchise, like how do people follow you, get a hold of you? Um, yeah,
2: awesome. The best way to follow me, all of my content. I mean, I'm on like I have podcasts, I have I'm on Instagram, TikTok, everything. But the best way is probably through kimdaily.tv. My last name is D A L Y, so kimdaily.tv because all of my content is housed on my YouTube channel. So go there first, and then from there, any contact information you need, you can find. But if you want to go right to my website because you're ready right now. That's the dailycoach.com. D-A-L-Y.
0: Got it. The Daily Coach on Instagram. I just followed you. Um, because yeah, I want to learn more about this and we definitely appreciate you coming on.
2: I appreciate you having me. You asked great, you know, as a podcaster, I'll tell you that the interview is only as good as the questions that I'm I I can ask. You guys asked great questions. It was super easy to follow. So I appreciate you.
0: Yeah, thank you. Honestly, it's just stuff that like like we're genuinely curious about. So like we're always learning and stuff like, and there's a lot to learn from you. So yeah, thank you.
2: Thank you so much. Have a good day.
1: Cool. See you. Thank awesome. you again. Thanks for coming on.
2: Thank you. Bye.